Let us pray. We come to you this morning and we bow before you. We, we bow before the one that made us, that created us, that gave us life, that gave us a name, that gave us our existence, our time and our place. How lost must one be if you do not believe this? How lost must one be if you just imagine that you just came to be because two people loved one another and you were born? No God. No purpose except trying to survive this world. We bow before you because we have the privilege of knowing you. You decided to reveal yourself to us in your word and in your creation. And then through Jesus Christ, so now we know who it is who made us. We do not only know that you are God, but you reveal yourself to us as a dad, as a father, as a parent. Come to me, you say, like children being called to a parent. Come to me, you say, because you are the one that wants to hold us, want to lift us up and put us on your knee, to tell us your story and to listen to our stories, to hug us and to send us on our way. But still there for us. We do not deserve this. But still we receive this from you. Because of something we will probably never understand until we, got, we get to see you. And that's your love for us. Thank you, Lord, that you called us together. And that we can continue to seek your presence, your person, and your will as your children. Reveal this to us in your word today. In the name of Jesus, I ask this. Amen. They got married while he was working on his doctorate in psychiatry. Like any other couple, they really had this dream of living a life together. They had hope for the future, even though the world they were living in was very complicated. They still decided to get married. Nine months later, everything changed for them tremendously. He and his family were picked up by the Nazis and they were moved to a concentration camp. Immediately, he survived the first elimination, elimination scene with, a, with an officer standing there and by just pointing, saying, left or right, by just looking at someone walking down the line. Left meant the gas chamber. Right meant that you are allowed to live for a moment and need to work. His parents got the left and his siblings. He got the right, the honor or the privilege then to work. His wife was not picked up because she was an Austrian. He was a Jew. His wife died soon after they picked him up and moved him to the concentration camp. She died of some kind of pneumonia or whatever that, that got to her. And by somebody else that came into the concentration camp, he now knew that his whole family was killed and he also lost his wife. Viktor Frankl was a psychiatrist. He was busy with his doctorate degree when he was arrested by the Nazis or picked up. And because of the love for his work, he continued to observe human behavior. He couldn't stop working while he was in a prison camp. He was actually at the end in four different prison camps during the Second World War. 
What he found, and that was interesting, he wrote about this in the book that you can see there, the man's search for meaning, is that someone with really physical strength would come into the camp. After a while, would lose complete hope. Walk away, sit in a corner, and after a while, he would walk to this man and he would be dead. What Winkler Frankl, Frankl eventually said was no hope. No life. No hope. No life. Losing hope meant that people physically, not emotionally or spiritually, but physically died. And he saw this on a daily basis while he was in Auschwitz. He survived the uh, whole ordeal. Eventually, he became a psychiatrist. He wrote numerous books. This is the one that I sh showed up on the screen was his most uh, important one. And then he started a therapy technique, the log Logos therapy. The word Logos comes from the Greek word for word. And even though he was a Jew, he believed in God. And I think that's why he actually survived the camp. And he had hope until the end. Today, I'm going to continue with my series on the marks of the church that I started in the beginning of January. And then we had this commercial break where uh, Nicole did a great job for me. Uh, but I need to complete this. So we start off by saying that we are people that pray. That's what defines us as the church and makes us different from a social club, any club that's out there. We are people of faith. We believe in the only holy living God, and that makes us different because I believe with all my heart I'm not alone on this world. I have a God that's there for me. We discover that we are people that love but love different from the world that I, I preached about this before I left two weeks ago, three weeks ago. We love in a biblical way that's somewhat different than the word world would define in love. A self-sacrificing love as Jesus came to teach us. But we are people of hope. That's what also defines us. Let's discover what that now means. Paul says, in our prayers for you, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. You have heard of this hope before in the word of the truth and the gospel that has come to you. Just as it is bearing fruit and growing in the whole world, so it has been bearing fruit among yourselves from the day you heard it, and truly comprehend the grace of God. I, I, I want to ask you, I'm busy with this book of Colossians. Go and read this, chapter 1. While I'm busy with this series, grab your Bible, and every evening, just read Colossians, repeatedly. Just, it's an amazing book, and then you'll understand sort of where I'm heading with this series. Paul talks about hope, and love, and prayer and many other things while he's actually sitting in prison in Rome. Now, now most of us, you know, when we drive down the road here, I-4, you see the prison on your right-hand side that's, that's there on Albie McLeod and whatever. That's not the prison Paul was in. The Romans didn't care for people. They had these huge events where they killed prisoners. So why would you put this person up in, in really comfort if you many times were killed him? So just remember this, while we are reading these words, Paul is not living in the best of circumstances. And he says at the end of his letter, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. 
That's all he said. He could complain page after page after page about all the suffering he's going through, but one sentence. Just remember. Remember, I'm not doing always that well. But what does he want to tell us about hope? Now, we know that uh, we are people of hope. I hope to see you soon, I said to my mom when we left her a week or so ago because we had to see other family also. My mom was in tears. She's 94. Will I see her again? I see her like four days a year now if we can get to South Africa. Louise said to her mom who's 91, I hope to see you soon. Will we see her again? I do not know, or her brother or my sister. How many times do we say to someone, I hope to see you soon? But that soon sometimes turns turn into a year or many, many years, or sometimes we never see them again. I hope that this will all work out. We convince ourselves in the morning when we are trying to figure out what to do with work issues or other issues. But this hope is sort of uncertain. I'm not sure if it's going to happen. I hope to accomplish this goal or to be able to do this. I hope to win the lottery. Oh, how many people have tried that thing? And there's always one that wins. I don't know how that works, but there's many times that one. You know, I said to my family once, I, I do not care for the lottery, but a few times I bought a ticket, but I would buy one. Because if the Lord wants me to win, he'll give me the, the you know, whatever. You understand that works. I've never won. The Lord says, no, Freddie, you just leave that alone. We hope. How many times for so many people the hope doesn't realize? I hope to get healthy. I, ho I hope to get some money to be able to do this. I hope that this job opportunity will pan out, that I will get this job after an interview and it doesn't work. Maybe that's a reason why we are surrounded by so many people that are really struggling in our, in our world, because they've lost hope. They, they build their hope on the government, and just look at the prices, and you say, well, we're not doing that well, are we? They build their hope on many other people around them, and then people start to fail them. So we are surrounded by people that have discovered that by hoping doesn't always mean that things will work out well for me. When you are a hopeless person, you turn into a useless person. Because hope sucks the life out of you if you don't have it. If you lose hope, I need to say this in the negative, if you lose your hope, you do not have the life. And you'll see in a quote, oh, way at the end, well, shortly at the end, you'll see, you'll see the quote where this is also defined. The problem is also, is Christianity really a blessing or a curse? I had one person once say to me when I talked to him about being a Christian, he said, you know, I've read the Bible. He said, well, I'm not really sure I want to make the step to give my life to Christ. I said, why not? How? What can you lose? He said, everything. The Bible talks about carrying a cross, bearing a cross if you follow Jesus. The Bible talks about, you know, giving away what you have if you follow Jesus. He says, it sounds to me that I can be persecuted because I'm a Christian. Why will I add this to the complexity of this world that I live in? Is it really a blessing to be a Christian? What incentive is there for Paul to write this letter while he's in prison? Guys, you need to follow Jesus. Actually, I'm in prison because of Jesus. But follow Jesus. You may be killed for Jesus. Follow. You understand what I'm trying to say? It sounds like there's a contradiction in terms here. Come to Christ, but coming to Christ can mean prison or death or persecution for those people during those days. Why does Paul do this? 
Why is it worthwhile to be a Christian? Because of God. Because of the God that we believe in. The God that we believe that holds our life in His hands and the God that we can trust with all that we have, especially in what we hope. When Paul writes about hope, he uses the sentence, he says, hope laid, us, laid up for us in heaven. So I thought about this for a moment and I read about the Greek word, and I've got a quote about this in a moment, two slides from here. If you make a reservation, and all of us have, so you go online and you try to book this hotel and you know you have it when you get the confirmation number. Many times when you call someone to get something done, they give you a confirmation number and they say, write it down. What is so important about the confirmation number? It means that this is proof that this account is resolved, that this booking is resolved. It's all set. It's there. It's paid for. Everything is settled. You just need to show up. Your room will be waiting for you. Hope laid up for you in heaven. It's like a booking with a confirmation number. Paul comes and he says, it's the confirmation of the promises of God. That's where our hope lies. My hope lies not in an empty thing that I hope it will happen. My hope lies in the fact that God says, it will happen for me and my kingdom. Lord, I hope that I will heal. I'm not healing, so can I lose my hope now? No, God says, if you do not heal, it's because I have a purpose with you going through the suffering as I had a purpose with Paul in prison through his suffering for my kingdom. Don't lose hope in me because I know where I am taking you. The problem is that we want God to serve us. Lord, I'm on my way here and I want you to direct and to steer my life that I can accomplish my goals. So I hope all works out for me and God says, hang on, Ferdinand, Lord, touch me on the shoulder and say, hang on, my, my, my child. While you are walking in this direction, I'm moving with my kingdom in that direction. So your hope should not be all in this, but in that. The second thing about God's hope, uh, about God's promises is that there's the price paid for it. When I read my Bible, and there are numerous of promises in the Bible, I actually have a book in my office that says the promises of God, like 800, I don't know how many. If I make a booking, I normally need to pay deposit or whatever. Otherwise, they won't keep it. God says all His promises that He gives us are paid for by His, his Son by the blood that he shed. So when I read a promise of the living Lord in the Bible, I, I say to myself, but that promise is like a confirmation that I receive that it's true because it's paid for. Will it always pan out in exactly the way I want it? I'm not sure, but I know one thing for sure, it will pan out in the way that God wants it for me and his kingdom. That's where the hope lies. That is where the hope laid for the people in the time of Jesus. They were all persecuted. They were all running sometimes for their lives, for believing in Jesus. And now the guy sitting in prison says, hang on, be people of hope, be positive, look at life and know you're okay because God's got it. Look at this track record. Look at this track record. You know, if you look at the Old Testament, you will find many promises that the Lord gave people. 
And they didn't know if it was going to work out. We now know. Just for an example, Joseph. The Lord said to Joseph, I will be with you. I will go, I'm going to make you a great guy. I wonder how he felt when he was sitting in a well where his brothers threw him into. We know the end of the story. Joseph had no clue. Then he was picked up, and he was sold to Egyptian slave traders that took him to Egypt. That's a foreign country. You shouldn't even be there. That's the enemy of the Jews. I wonder how he felt while they were dragging him behind a donkey or a camel, because they wouldn't put him on a camel. He's a slave. I wonder how he felt when he ended up in prison in Egypt after this Potiphar, this, this guy's wife, told a lie about him. A terrible place to be. Had no idea he was going to get out. We know, we know the story. We know he became the second in command in Egypt. He had no idea for a very long time in his life that anything was going to pan out the way that he wanted it to be. But he kept his hope in the only holy living God because he knew God would come through for him because God made a promise. Paul says, hope and the word of truth. In August 2010, you guys remember the story. 33 Chilean mine workers got stuck underground for 69 days. So they even made a movie about these guys, and they wrote books and all kinds of stuff, but I read a little bit about them. And, and when they asked them, so what kept you alive? What kept you sane? They had a little church on the ground, and they did whatever. They had all these things to try to keep them sane. The, the leader said, what kept us alive was on day 17, we got notes, a message. They know where we are, and they will find us. They will get us out. On day 17, they got them out on day 69. He said that word, we know where, we, where you are, we will get you, made the difference for them. Sometimes you may feel you're in a mine and you are lost. Nobody is coming for you. Sometimes you may feel your life is dark and miserable and terrible. You feel terribly alone. I promise you today there's a word coming to you and the word is, the word is in this black book that I have in my hand. A book that I've read so many times that this thing is now falling apart. I can give you pieces of my Bible because I don't know. The thing is not that looking that well anymore. But the reason is because I read this thing every single day. Because I need it. You see, I need to get this word, this note from God to say, Ferdy, I've got it. I've got it. It's irrelevant what's going on in the life. I've got it. I've got you. At some point, my son, I'm coming to bring you home with me. The truth. The truth. Nicole and I have a long, short chat this morning before I start um, to do something. She showed me a book that she needs to prepare for her studies now. She's, you know, she's studying um, theology. And in this book, they sort of question certain things in the Old Testament, like the creation of Adam and Eve, and how God, did God really do it, or is it just a stupid story? I told her this morning, as I will tell you now, if it's in the Bible, I believe it. 
I believe God created Adam and Eve. I believe God created this universe that we are a part of. I believe that God created light and everything that we have. I trust this only holy living God that you and I believe in. Because without Him, what hope do we have? But my hope is not founded in what I can achieve or what I want or what I think is good or great. My hope is founded in the fact that I've got a God that says, Hey, Ferdy, I gave my son to die for you on the cross, so why do you worry? Why do you worry? I've got it. Walk with me through the prison, through the persecution, through the loneliness and the hardship, because in the midst of all of this, I'm on my way with my kingdom. Second last slide. The Greek word for hope is elpo. The meaning of elpo is to anticipate or welcome. The expectation of what is certain. That in which one confides or to which he flees for refuge. Hope for the world is this mushy thing. I'm not sure if it's going to happen. Hope for a Christian is as certain as a rock, as a mountain. Because it's not mushy, it's God that has given us the guarantee, the confirmation number almost with respect. It's there. Where there is no hope in the future, there is no power in the present, John Maxwell. And Paul said, you have heard of this hope before in the word of the truth, the gospel that has come to you. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who has promised, he is faithful. Victor Frankl went through the most terrible things that a human, I think, can experience, especially during that time. He came out of the concentration camps. He started to serve. He wrote a document. He started a new therapy, the Logos therapy. Because he discovered in God, there is hope. Victor did not maybe know the Lord Jesus that well, but he knew the God of the Old Testament. How far ahead are we for all of this? Because we know Jesus. The most important promise of God that came true for us, Jesus that came, paid, gave us a confirmation. God is with us. In Him is our hope. Amen.